church. Come on in. We're going to need help singing. Getting over colds, and we used all of our singing energy and practice here, but I, I think we got some left over. We'll, we'll love hearing your voices too. Um, Tyler and I were just talking about work here uh, a second ago, and, and you know, it's it's easy to think like the week is starting tomorrow, right? And it's Monday, and that you know that can kind of stink sometimes to, to look to you know my the weekend's over. And I know I fall into that. We were talking about how that just is not a great feeling. And it's good, so good to remember that that today is the start of the start of the week. Right? Sunday is the start of the week. And this is like an opportunity for for us to just get filled, 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 and then go out and it's like just unleashed, right? On on the week. Um, on those around us in a good way, right? Um, it's just a just a wonderful opportunity. And so some of these songs, you know, are just speak to that, you know, this, um, of the mix of life being uh, struggle and God's provision, right? And so that's our week, and today is especially part of God's provision, so we're, we're going to all lean into that together. Uh, Shell's going to come up and, and welcome us in, uh, or open us up in prayer. thank you for today, uh, for your grace and for your mercy that's new every morning. Thank you for this place that we have to come and worship and fix our eyes on you, God. I pray today that you would be glorified and magnified and that your word would go deep into our hearts, God, and and bring us instruction and wisdom and comfort. And um, we just give this day to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
playing this uh, the newer song how majestic hope you all remember this one can help us out in singing
Father, that is our prayer this morning, Lord. We need you. Father, I'm thankful for all who are here today, God, brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, and you know our hearts. You know our thoughts, you know our prayers, God. And you know where we all are right now. And I think we all can say that we need you. And we can come in full confidence knowing that our Heavenly Father is waiting for us to come and to praise the name of Jesus Christ. And, and we thank you for that, Lord. Lord, I pray as we just fix our eyes upon the cross and the victory that we have in your Son, Lord, that our hearts are encouraged. We know who we are in Christ. And I just pray this morning as we come into your presence, Father, that we bring you the glory and praise that you're worthy of. It's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated. Uh, well, good morning, church. It's good seeing you guys today. Uh, if you are a guest, we welcome you. My name is Casey. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you for joining us. Man, it is good being here. I feel like I say it every Sunday, but it is good being here. I love being in this room and worshiping with you guys. It is a pleasure and a blessing. God has graced us incredibly, guys. One, he has put a desire in your heart to be here this morning. He's given us this place to, to worship him. He's, he's united us. He's given us brothers and sisters and to be able to do this together, to encourage one another. But as we do all these things, as we do life together, we do it for the glory of God. We are here to lift up the name of Jesus Christ, to praise him and to glorify our king. And that's why we're here, right? Through song, through worship, through the, the hearing of the word, through the preaching of the word, to taking communion, communion together at the end of service together. We do it for the glory of God. And that's what we seek to do as a church. Because when we go share about this glory, when we go tell about this glory, souls are going to be saved. Disciples are going to be made. And that's what we want as a church. We want to see you guys go out and share this good news of Jesus Christ so that souls may be saved. We want you guys to go out and teach people how to root themselves in this gospel. right? Because, and, and, and we believe that we can do that through the word of God, through prayer, and through gospel community. Real quick, a funny story. Yesterday, it was just kind of a heavy weekend in our home, and my wife and I just couldn't shake it. And I remember it, I was taking the kids out, and I told her, I said, just get in the Word. Listen to a podcast. Just fill your mind with something. And, and, then, and then I came home, and it was just kind of there. I said, let's pray. And then we were graced with some awesome fellowship with some friends last night, and we were cracking up because I said, did you just see what we did? We did our, our mission, like the thing we say every Sunday. Word of God, prayer, and gospel community. And guess what? Our hearts were encouraged. It's only taken me nine years to figure that out, but it worked. <laughs> anyway, speaking of encouragement, it's our time that we normally do our offering. That's another way that we can praise and thank God. Just be in a place of thanksgiving this morning, guys, because we've been given so much. I'm going to have uh, Mr. Aaron come on up and encourage our hearts with some scripture this morning. Malachi. Hey, good morning, guys. Man, this is Malachi. So we're gonna re <laughs> we're gonna read from uh, uh, Hebrews four, twelve through uh, sixteen. It says, "For the Lord, for the word of God is living and active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, 
about joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to his eyes, but him with whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Father, and that's what we pray this morning, Lord, as we come into your presence, Lord, we don't serve a God who cannot sympathize with us, Lord. You came here, you walked this earth, you, you felt the things that we feel, Lord, you were tempted. And we just thank you that you know. I just pray this morning, Lord, as, as Aaron just shared too, Lord, for your word, as we uh, get to hear your word preached now through Pastor Tyler, Lord, I pray that you speak through him. I pray for your word to find a home in our heart, God. May your name be glorified today. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Oh, thank you, Hannah. Um, welcome to Life Mission Church again. I'm Mr. Pastor Tyler, and I am uh, grateful that I'm here with you this morning. We get to continue into the book of John. Um, Casey did a fantastic job last week, walking us through the walls of unbelief as we looked at Thomas's demands and our interaction with Jesus. Casey, I left encouraged. I'm thankful that Jesus came to save doubters like Thomas and alike. This week's scripture, I believe, moves from a foundation of belief to a steadfast hope in the sureness of Jesus' work. There is a comfort, simplicity, and glory in this morning's text. Now that describes a majority of the Bible, if not all. But as we look at John 21 today in this narrative-like section, I believe it will remind us of the eternal rest that we have in Christ. So one of uh, my family's favorite things to do is go camping. We've done it many times, and we've camped multiple times as a family, and we have had the blessing of also camping with friends for several years. My, one of my favorite things, sorry, one of my favorite things about going camping is the mornings. I get out of my tent, and I get to build a fire that's going to boil the water for the coffees and the teas that are going to happen. And then later on, I get to keep it going because it's going to help prepare the breakfast for the morning. Mm -hmm. It's normally before sunrise. It's quiet. It's cool. Early birds are getting their worms. And the sounds of social scrub jays, snoring children, and the fire crackling are the only interruptions of the silence. Now this morning, we'll see the King of Kings, the friend of sinners, the Son of God, sitting on the very shores he created, waiting in silence to bless his disciples. 
In this third appearing to his disciples, we see Jesus still their friend. We see Jesus still serving those he called. And I want to pray this morning that we are comforted by the continuous nature of God. That he himself and the provision given through the resurrected Jesus for those who have been born again by the Holy Spirit. So I want to pray this morning that this is what reminds us of who he is. Father, we come to you this morning. I just love the song that we sang, Lord, I need you. Lord, we come into this place needing you. Lord, I just pray this morning as your words are spoken, Holy Spirit, that you would do as Hebrews 4.12 does. Would you pierce our hearts? Would you divide our souls, joint and marrow? Lord, making alive your word into our hearts and into our lives. Lord, that we would go out from this place and seek to glorify your name because it is worthy to be glorified. Jesus, would you be with us this morning? Holy Spirit, would you show us the glorious service, sacrifice, and power in the name of Jesus? Lord, we thank you for this morning. Father, we come to you and seek you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So if you guys want to go ahead and turn your Bibles, we'll be in John chapter 21, last chapter of John. Um, we're going to be going through verses 1 through 14. Or if I don't hear pages, I'm assuming you're looking on the screen behind me, which is okay too. <laughs> Perfect. All right, John 21, 1 through 14, and I'm just going to read in one big chunk. And then we'll step through it. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, also known as the Sea of Galilee. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it, and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. 
and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Amen. So this section starts with those two words, after this. Right? John is just keeping the sequence of events for us so we know that this is after Jesus' encounter with Thomas. Right? But it does make me curious what happened in between Thomas' declaration and this morning's text. But as John 20, as we read last week, says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is Christ, Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John is moving from one Jesus encounter to the next, and this morning we get to see Jesus once again reveal himself to some of his disciples. So here in this section we see Peter, the sons of Zebedee, professional fishers, professional fishermen, return to what they know best, at least what they think they know best. They spent the night fishing and caught nothing. Now, I've been fishing a handful of times, literally probably three or four times, and I've never caught anything. So I read this, and I'm like, so that's part of it. (laughs) But studying the scripture more, these men did this for a living, right? This was their livelihood. They knew how to catch fish, and to go a whole night and catch nothing must have been slightly frustrating. So when Jesus yells from the shore, children, do you have any fish? I'm sure it made them very aware of their empty nets. Now the last time Jesus addressed them as children was in chapter 13, when he says, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I love that Jesus addresses them as children. I think it highlights their dependence and his sufficiency. Even though they are professionals, full-grown men, they are still dependent. So this man stands on the shore and yells to them, hey, cast your net onto the other side of the boat. Now I know in my pride, I'd probably think, yeah, dude, like the fish can't just swim under the boat. <laughs> um, and we've all, they've all been fishing that whole night, and they've been fishing that night, and they're like, I don't think that'll work. But then when we see Peter, actually when Jesus first called him in Luke chapter 5, He actually expresses it in this way. He says, And Simon Peter answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. So here it seems Jesus uses another frustrating night to reveal their neediness. And because the disciples were at the end of their ability, they did what this man said. And they haul in a catch they're barely able to manage. Then... John realizes it's Jesus, and Peter jumps into the sea to swim to shore. I just thought it was really cool that Jesus, before he restores Peter, 
He meets him in the same place he had first called him. Peter was on a boat fishing, and here again, after the resurrection, he calls him from the shore as Peter is fishing. Now we know Peter was a fisherman, and so were the sons of Zebedee, who are James and John, and also Andrew, Peter's brother, although he isn't specifically mentioned in this passage, but it does say, and two other of his disciples were together, so maybe one of them was Andrew. Anyway, this is what they did before they were called fishers of men. And despite all their knowledge, despite the number of times they had fished the sea, they were unable. So even though they were fishermen, right, they were fishermen. That was what they did. They still lacked. They still had weaknesses. Still could not command the fish. And it's a pretty amazing that John tells this story back in John 15, 5. We see Jesus say this about producing fruit. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now this verse, just to be clear, is not talking about the occupation of fishing fish. Right? It's talking about producing fruit the fruits of the Spirit in their hearts, and then reproducing that fruit, fishing for men. However, the nets of their future ministries would come up empty as well, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit connecting them to the vine of Christ. And as a pastor, that is a comforting fact. I cannot command the sheep. I cannot be an effective fisher of men apart from the power of Christ going before me. Myself, Job, Casey, we plant seeds in water, but it is God who causes the growth. The sheep hear his voice. Now, many of you know I'm a bit of a crier. Um, kids, do I cry? <laughs> They're just not... Now, I don't know about you guys or how you guys react with those like military videos when a spouse, a father, or mother return home from deployment and they surprise their kids or their spouse in some cool way, but I bawl every time. And if I'm John in this story, my eyes are welling up with tears of joy as I'm now trying to lift the load of fish Peter just dropped. The disciples have seen Peter's interactions with Jesus, his triumphs, his failures, along with Jesus' patience, correction, and truth. I imagine they expected nothing less of Peter as he jumped into the sea. Now, I wanted to give a quick recap of Peter. It's not exhaustive, but it has some of the highlights and the bloopers. So we see Peter, right, he acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God, the Christ. And Jesus tells him that flesh and blood had not revealed this to him, but the Father in heaven. Peter tells Jesus, where else shall you go? we go? You have the words of eternal life. Then at one point, we see Peter pulls Jesus aside after he tells his disciples that he will be handed over to death and rise three days later. Peter attempts to rebuke Jesus. Jesus then gives Peter a rebuke that would stop any of us in our tracks. It says, get behind me, Satan. Now for some context on what verses were around there, right? 
It is then Jesus addresses all those around after he says, get behind me. It says, in calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if any would would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Right, Peter then tells Jesus, I will follow you even to death. Jesus tells him, you'll deny me three times. Peter pulls a sword out, cuts a guard's ear off. Jesus tells him, put that sword away. Peter denies him three times in that courtyard by the fire. Peter scattered when the shepherd was struck. Then he runs at the hearing of Jesus' empty tomb to see with his own eyes, though John beats him there. So Peter went out to the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I love that portion of John. So this is Peter. He is hot or he's cold. And when he's hot, Jesus affirms him. When he is cold, Jesus rebukes him. And yet Peter continues to seek Jesus, and Jesus continues to feed him. So John yells out, it is the Lord. And Peter throws himself into the sea, no hesitation. Now this is where my sanctified imagination, as Joby would call it, kicks in, right? My thoughts of these things. I imagine as Peter, when he hit that water and starts his 100-yard swim, His denial of his Savior is all at once pulling him under and also pulling him towards Jesus. What am I going to say? What is he going to say? But he has the words of eternal life. Where else am I going to go? He gets ashore and the boat shortly thereafter and there is a charcoal fire. Now the last time a charcoal fire is mentioned... It was when Peter was denying the man and now ashore in front of him, risen from the dead. I wonder if that smell of the fire reminded him of telling that little girl that he doesn't know Jesus. Now, whatever Peter's thoughts, there is the risen Jesus with fish roasting on the fire and bread. In John 21.10, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Peter, Mr. Dewar, goes and hauls the 153 fish ashore. He seems to do it alone because it says Peter went and got the fish. Almost like he has to be the one to do it. Or he's excited to sit with the Savior. Or he's a fan of CrossFit. Uh, Jesus then says to the disciples, he said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus, God in the flesh, after being crucified, buried, resurrected, has prepared breakfast for his disciples. The king over all creation is serving breakfast. 
Now this short narrative in between the testimony of Thomas and the restoration of Peter, spoiler alert, is so packed with wondrous glory. We see Jesus continuing to command all things and providing in every way. Now just imagine your disciple and you've been with the Son of God for three years and then he's gone. Yes, he's told you all these things. He told you they were going to happen, but it's happened just as he said they would. The tomb is empty. They have seen their friend resurrected. They have seen Thomas touch his nail-pierced hands, but Jesus is not with them as he was for three years, day in and day night. And night. I still imagine there's hesitation, confusion, hope, fettered joy, and the disciples looking at each other, well, well what do you want to do now? And Peter says, well, I'm going fishing. These men did not have it figured out. And Jesus did not expect them to. And I absolutely love that when he reveals himself this third time, he feeds them. Feeds them fish and bread over a beach bonfire. This time there is not 5,000 people, but seven disciples and Jesus. Now I'm excited to ask Jesus for this meal and reenactment when I get to heaven. I want him to do this for me. Um, but then before my wife shows up, I'll ask him if he has any gluten-free bread for her. And he'll look at me and say, what God has made clean, do not call common. Um, but the last time he broke bread with his disciples was at the Last Supper, before he was handed over to be crucified. But now, the bread of life has conquered death. He reigns over sin and death, and now whoever eats of this bread will live forever. In John 6, 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. In Isaiah 55, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend your money on which that is not bread? And your labor for which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. It's pretty cool. Spurgeon has this thing on this section of scripture. And he says, And so in the Lord's own way, it will be seen that the Lord will provide. He who taught us to say, Give us today our daily bread, did not teach us an empty phrase. Those whose needs presses so closely as even to make them acquainted with hunger may see how Jesus pities them and look to him for aid. For he is the same now as he was by the lake of Galilee. And as Jesus is so careful of the condition of his people that he will have their bodies fed, we may be sure that he will nourish our souls. Jesus just didn't start our salvation, and we have to finish. He isn't hoping that our strengths will accomplish his will. He didn't show up on the shore and look out in the sea and think, they can't even catch a fish. How are they supposed to capture the hearts of men? But they are not the bread of life. They are not the living water. Our words do not offer satisfaction. 
Our words do not change souls. Our words do not command and sustain all of creation. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that the words of Jesus are carried to the hearts of men. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit sent by the Son to fill our hearts and minds with the truth that sets us free. Now, not only does this section of Scripture remind us that it's all about Jesus, but all of Scripture reminds us it's about Jesus and the glorification of the Father. It's the name of Jesus that saves. It's the name of Jesus that feeds our souls. It's the name of Jesus that allows our souls to find eternal rest and satisfaction. And it's the Holy Spirit opening spiritually dead eyes just to see the name of Jesus. All right, the seven disciples that were there this morning were being given physical bread for their hunger. We see Jesus again providing for their physical needs. And I even think this is where James speaks about in his book, the book of James, with such boldness and authority because he looks to the example of Jesus. Right in James 2.15, he says, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled. Without giving them the things they needed for the body, what good is that? Jesus is doing this very thing for the disciples there on, the mornings, on this morning's water's edge. He is serving them still. He is providing for them still. Now, as I was reading through the accounts of what Jesus has done as I was going through these scriptures, I began to understand a little more of Peter's hesitation when Jesus began to wash his feet. This is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the Word made flesh. In Colossians he says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that everything in him might be preeminent. He is perfect. He is holy in righteousness. And my feet, along with every other part of me, is the definition of filthiness. But had not Jesus come and serve, we would still be guilty. Our debts would still remain. Shame would be our clothing before a righteous God. We would still be drowning in the depths of our sin. And because of his love, which he first loved us, in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And the power of his blood is still serving us. It never loses its power. So when we consider these scriptures, right, when we consider what he has done, so much more of his word begins to search our hearts. Even in Matthew 6.25, 
Jesus is saying, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body and what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither reap nor sow nor gather into barns, and yet your Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Jesus is saying, do not worry about the bread that you eat, because the Father knows you need these things. But what you need more is the bread that does not perish. He implores in chapter 6 of John that they need the bread of life. And this was just after he fed thousands with bread and fish. The same meal they're eating on this morning. In John 6, 27, we see this. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which, is the, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. And they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Just as we saw Jesus tell Thomas last week, do not disbelieve, but believe. Now, it's something amazing. I was thinking about this. As we will work just as hard for our salvation in heaven as we do now. Right? Which means we won't because we don't. It is the work of Jesus that saves us. The bread has always been and always will be provided by the Father. Because his blood does not lose its power. Now, for those of us who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, for those of us that have been given the bread of life, we must turn our eyes to the God of heaven and earth and tell of his wondrous works. He satisfies every longing soul. Now, as the disciples heeded the words of Jesus, come and have breakfast. They were satisfied. Now, before we close this morning, I want to tell a quick story of something that happened earlier this week. This past week, I had a conversation, and the word epitome showed up in a text thread. I'm not sure if anyone else has seen this word like spelled out, like written, but it looks like epitome. I Googled it thinking I never heard it before. I was like, what is epitome? You can check my search history, it's there. I Googled it thinking I've never heard of it. Anyway, this discussion ended up using the word that described Jesus' friendship. Now, the definition of epitome is a person or thing that is a perfect example of a particular quality or type. Now, Jesus is the epitome of friendship, sacrifice, love, patience, peace, joy, self-control, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Jesus is the perfect example. Jesus feeds his sheep. These sheep, sitting by the fire, he's feeding them. He has quite literally poured his life into these men. And at every turn of Jesus' earthly ministry, he provided everything they need, and he will continue to provide everything they need. In John 17, 12, Jesus prays to the Father 
that he has indeed given them his words and that they would be sanctified by it. John 17, 12. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these have given, and to these I have given them your word. And the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I sent, have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. And then down in verse 26 of his prayer, he says, I may know to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. That the love with which you have loved them, have loved me, may be in them, and I in them. Now, I don't think... I'm alone in this, but having a meal with people you love is extremely restful. The disciples that morning, after a night of empty toil, found rest with Jesus on the very shores, in the very sea that he had commanded to be still. And Jesus, the bread of life, provided and provides rest for the souls of the Father that he has given him. He is our living bread. Let's pray. Father, we are... Lord, we are needy. We still need you. We always need you. Lord, I just pray that our hearts this morning would begin to understand our desire and our need for the words of eternal life, for the bread that satisfies our souls. Lord, give us a hunger for this bread. Lord, give us a hunger for righteousness. Give us a hunger for the bread of life. Lord, I pray you continue to seek our hearts, search our hearts, and show us the things that we need to be believing. Jesus, pull us towards belief in you, the eternal bread of life, that those who take part will never perish, but have eternal life. Lord, I pray this morning that you continue to work in the hearts of everyone here, and that we go out and share of the wondrous works that you have accomplished. Lord, would you help us to bring the bread of life to others? to tell them they will be satisfied in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, in a moment, we are going to be taking communion. And what a wonderful thing it is to even read this scripture and then this morning get to take and remember Jesus, the bread of life. So as we listen to communion and hear these songs, reflect on the goodness of him who gave himself, the bread of life gave himself so that we may have life.
right. Well, as <clears throat> Tyler mentioned, we uh, Sunday we come together and we take communion. I don't know that we need a separate message today, Tyler. I think that it's perfect <laughs> bringing us into communion all, all on its own. Um, if uh, if you need to grab uh, the communion, it's uh, back on the table and back there. Um, and this is a meal for for followers. Of, of Christ. If you believe in Jesus, then this is a meal for you. If not, I would encourage you to come up and find someone after afterwards and, and maybe ask more uh, than, uh, than taking of communion this morning. Our memory verse this week is uh, 1 Peter 5.10. And it says, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself redeem, uh, restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you so my family is planning a summer road trip and for those of you who have had the pleasure of uh, doing a road trip with a young person in the back you know the standard question that comes from that back seat part way into the journey probably can all say it together are we there yet no we're not almost there unless by there you mean temecula uh, we're we're not almost there um, but when you're a kid, you don't have context. You don't, you don't have the context of kind of this larger, longer, you know, uh, trip that's going to need this type of patience and endurance. Um, and these kinds of trips can seem unending. And to be fair, um, they can kind of seem that way when you're sitting in the front seat and you have kids in the back seat. Um, but uh, to begin to appreciate this verse and, and what it's, it means for us, got to be able to step outside of ourselves a bit and outside of our limited context. I kind of picture uh, us buckled into our car seats in the uh, in the back seat of our Heavenly Father's minivan. So the verse starts with, after you have suffered a little while. So context here. What does that mean? A little while. Sometimes suffering lasts a few minutes. Sometimes a few years. Sometimes it can last a lifetime. Suffering can be small stuff, or it can be brutal, it can nearly crush us. And we find ourselves asking, are we there yet? It can be hard to get our kids to see past the next few hours, right, of suffering in the back seats, um, and, and to think through to the wonderful things in front of us. You know what, for our family, it's Utah, Southern Utah. We love going and seeing the beauty there. Um, and I think it's similar for us. And we've all been there. Maybe you're, you're there right now wondering how much longer will this last? And this verse is a reminder that, yes, we're almost there. Just, just a little longer. It might not feel that way from where you're sitting, but it is just a little longer. From the front seat perspective, you know, if you're driving and you're in the front seat, you can see it all. You've got your navigation know where you're going, how long it's going to take to get there. That's the perspective we don't have from the back seat, but it is just a little longer, and it's worth it. It's so worth it. And through God, um, through his grace, right, the verse tells us it's in his grace and in Christ, um, we know we're going to get there. And he will, he says he will restore, confirm, and strengthen us. And the beauty is that through his grace, we get glimpses of that here and now, right? We don't see it in its fullness, but we, we get glimpses of this here and now as we're in the back seat. 
So the middle of this verse is arguably the most important, right? It says, the God of all grace has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. The first part, first part talks about suffering. The last part talks about where we're going and, and what happens when we get there, the restoration. But it's Jesus that that buys us a, a, a spot on that on that van, right? It's Jesus' sacrifice. It's Jesus' life and his death that gets us into the van. He gets, he's in there with us too, right? Um, I think I'm pushing this metaphor a little too far, but but right, he is there to get us from point A to point B. And it's in it's at the cross that we remember uh, his his work that allows that that empowers um, this life, right? In a moment, Casey's going to come up and lead us in the taking of the elements. And um, again, if you have a, if you need to grab, grab some there, we're going to pray. Uh, we're going to sing this one song, and then uh, Casey's going to come up and lead us together.
robes of white the blazing sun shall pierce the night and I will rise among the saints my gaze transfixed on Jesus face so go praise the name oh praise the name of the Lord our God, oh, praise His name forevermore, for endless days we will sing your praise, oh, Lord, oh, Lord our God. Let's sing a praise in the name of the Lord. this morning we remember our savior jesus christ uh, the bread of life who came who laid his life down for our sake and his body broken let us partake together and as we hold the juice we remember his blood that was spilled for our salvation christian you have been washed clean Wash clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let us partake together. Amen. It is always a blessing getting to take communion with you guys. And it is a blessing that we get to read and declare the word of God together as a church family as well. So why don't you guys stand with me? It's in your notes. It's in your Bible. It's also on the screen behind me. All right, let us begin. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. God bless you guys. Mark 923. All right, we're going to sing about our lighthouse, right? Uh, Tyler was so good reminding us that, that it is Jesus. Right? All, of, all is, is through Jesus, is by Jesus. It is Jesus, right? And so this song is about our lighthouse. If you've ever been to sea, I was in the Navy for a few years, that can be just such a wonderful thing when you see land off in the distance. It's like, all right, we're almost there. We're almost there, right? And this is, this is that reminder we need.
fire in the, in the midst of the storm that we can look to. And so we thank you that through the, the, the storms that will come to us this week, God, you are in front of us. You're behind us. You're all around us. I pray that you would remind us of that, that we can be a light to each other as well, reminding us of your goodness. Thank you for being that. In your name, amen. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Uh, looking forward to seeing you all next Sunday. I hope you enjoy your, your weeks. <laughs>